0: I'm Rodrigo Blankenship, and you're listening to the Savage Pads Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Savage Pads Podcast, part of the UGASports.com podcast network. I'm your host, Doug Battle, and in this week's episode, a good friend of the show, Jeb Blazevich, returns for, I believe, his third episode. I think that might be a record for us. Um, third episode with Jeb Blazevich. then Corey Amick returns the show for the pick six and extra point segments where we make picks for this week's six biggest games college football and then make a prediction for georgia missouri we've got more chick-fil-a to give away to you all and i'll be sending that out shortly so make sure to retweet the episode and follow us on twitter also uh to those of you that have not received your chick-fil-a that previously won i was exposed to covid and i got tested to make sure i did not have it before sending things out And so I don't have COVID, came back negative, and I'll be sending those out shortly. Stay tuned, we've got a great episode coming up.
0: Practice every day. Man oh man, mono ain't mono. He's definitely six hour mono, me and myself, as close as we uh, have right now to rope on. When we scored, I honestly did not know where I was for about five seconds. Early on, you could see with Jake, you know, just like with Fran, talking. to him. Maybe one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in the country. And we got to keep feeding the running back. I don't think we've yet to see the tight ends. Running. I think Georgia does a great job of bringing pressure on third down. Turn around two weeks later in the SEC championship, we looked like a completely different team, and we made them look like a completely different team. I mean, it's hard to get emotional thinking about it. And it was my job to kind of get outside the corner, and uh, as
2: soon as I let it go,
1: I knew
0: it was good. From that point on, I kind of gained the trust of Eric Murray is my quarterback. It was just special. I was famous. He was on side. Everybody respects his specs. And that's what every Georgia fan should hinge their hopes on. Alabama and Georgia are the best two teams in the country. I feel like we are the true running of that
2: team I have great confidence that we're going to see the personification of Georgia football.
1: Welcome to the Savage Pads podcast. Former UGA tight end, Jeb Blazevich is returning to the show. Jeb, uh, third appearance here, so I think... Uh, You know, this hit me when I was doing the intro earlier. I think that's a record for us. I think you're the first one to three appearances.
0: Wow. Let me tell you, it's an honor. I love being on the show, love the work you do. So thank you for having me back for a third time.
1: (laughs) You are welcome. Um, So, Jeb, honestly, I have no plan today. You're really, I consider you a friend. And I would love to just catch dog fans up on your life and career. So I know last time we left off, you had moved to Nashville, uh, living there with your wife and just wanted to, to get the latest on the life of former Georgia tight end Jeb Blazevich.
0: Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Uh, so life is pretty simple. I'm just inside in our little, uh, duplex apartment working, um, remotely for what seems like the rest of my life. It is, it has been a long, terrible Corona season. Uh, but it's also been great. had lots of time to be with my wife and to, uh, we got a dog. So we did get a little quarantine pup, little Craigslist golden doodle, about 75% gold and 25% doodle off Craigslist. We thought we were going to get scammed. Uh, (laughs) but it turns out, no, it was a real dog. And now we own him for a price.
1: (laughs) Nice, Yeah. I've never heard of anyone getting a dog off Craigslist.
0: Let let me tell you, we thought about because our friends got a, uh, I, I guess he's like a some sort of bulldog mix, but they got him from like a Nashville trap house. Uh, they didn't keep his name. His name was Dirty when uh, they oh, bought him, but nice. they got him for maybe $100. <laughs> did
1: they Did they drug test him?
0: They did not drug test him. I'm sure there would have been something involved. Uh, maybe I, I'm not going to speculate on which, which drug of choice, but right. there was definitely a lot of illicit behavior going on. In the previous owner's home. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, Jeb, it has been a minute since we saw you out there in in a Georgia football uniform. And I know, uh, I know you still keep up with, with the old team somewhat. Um, and it's, it's, as you know, been a rough, uh, rough week for dog fans. A lot of disheartened people, a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, doom and gloom we're seeing, and you, you played on some teams that were in this position over time and and ended up, you know, your last year, you got to compete for a national championship, really bounce back from a year like this. So what do you have to say to uh, to dog fans and even to people wondering what's going through the minds of, of those players right now?
0: Yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough being on the other side. Uh, fans, they're going to cheer and boo. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of their job, right? When things go well, they... They make it great. When things go bad, they make it bad. It's uh, yeah, they love to It's, it's kind of what they're supposed to do. Kids. Exactly. But being on both sides of it, I think um, you, you just got to trust the process. You got to trust that, hey, now it's not, uh, all right, national championship or bust. Now it's a week-by-week, yeah. day-by-day. All right, we need to go out and beat this team. We need to compete for the bragging rights against Missouri, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's still – about, hey, you know, Florida can absolutely goof up, but they're probably going to win the East. That's just how things are. Um, And so that being said, it's, all right, what is Georgia traditionally about? How can they go out and continue to compete against these SEC East teams, knowing that, hey, even though the rest of the season isn't necessarily um, what fans want it to be in terms of what we're going to be competing for, there's still a lot out there to be gained. And more importantly, there's a lot out there to lose. I mean, if we completely lose out, that would be a much bigger embarrassment (laughs) than if we won out the rest of the schedule, said, hey, we lost two, we'll get them next year.
1: Yeah. yeah. I guess fans always look at this like, okay, the season's over. These guys aren't going to come out motivated, right? They don't – all they care about is championships. And if they're not going to win a championship, they don't want to be there. And having played football, even at a lower level, you know, high school, and even looking back to elementary school and little league football, it's like, that is not how I ever approached it. Um, Having played at Georgia, and like I said earlier, played on some of those teams that, you know, maybe came up or were coming off a loss to Florida at this point in the season, what keeps you motivated? Like what, at at an individual level, what drives you to, to be the best you can be in that situation?
0: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it's definitely an individual level. And hey, look, I mean, there's only so many games each year that fans get to peek. Right? Yeah. They they get to look behind the curtain. They get to see what's actually going on. The hardest work and really the suckiest time of your life is when no one is watching. I mean, yeah, you are just practicing awesome. straight for Lord knows how many days. Yeah. Um, Twenty hour rule. I'm not going to snitch on nobody, but n- nobody follows that rule. Guys are absolutely getting ground down to the bone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's the same thing that wakes you up on a Monday morning lift is that keeps you going on a Saturday. I mean, Mm -hmm. you go out there to compete, to do your best Mm -hmm. because everybody wants to make plays. Um, If the offense is going bad, all right, how can I do something great? Mm -hmm. Let's say, uh, you know, I've been slacking the last couple of games. How can I get a little bit better? I think every week guys always focus on, all right, I goofed this up. How can I get a little bit better in this assignment and this role? Now can I go out and make plays? And it, it's less about I'm worried about getting yelled at. I'm worried about what people are going to say. So people already say they suck. People are already saying the worst things about them. So <laughs> then you can just say, forget everybody. Shut the coaches out. Shut the fans out. Shut out every other distraction. I just finally get to go play football. So some of the most liberating games and some of the most fun I've had is when we were terrible teams, all the pressure's off. You just <laughs> go out there and play ball, uh, and you look forward to salvaging the rest of the season
1: yeah yeah absolutely well i hope i hope that those guys uh take that approach and i know our listeners are, are hoping that as well but uh jeb i want to talk to you about the tight end room so we've complained over the years about you guys not getting the ball enough uh i know when it was you and isaac and jackson um and then now it's darnell and uh john fitzpatrick you know this week we we saw some tight end drops which was a little disheartening for the uh pass to the tight end crowd. But I'm curious to you, is like not getting a ball is it like basketball where you get in a rhythm? Like is not getting a ball for so long kind of throw off these guys or or what's what do you think the deal is with some tight end drops?
0: No, definitely. I think um I think that's exactly what it is. You need to get in a rhythm. If you're not practicing something that you can't practice without doing it in a real live scrimmage or game situation, which is having the ball in your hands and running down the field, you're not going to be any good at it. Unless coach is putting you in a position in practice to get all of those catches, unless you're being put in position in games where at least you know, hey, uh, if I'm not the first progression, I'm the second one. This play is designed to go to me. If you don't start to get some of those, it's not like you're just going to magically turn it on. Mm -hmm. when they do call that play. Uh, I love the phrase, nobody rises to the occasion, they fall back on their preparation. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I'm guessing that what we're seeing in the games is exactly what they're practicing. And they're not Mm -hmm. practicing for these tight ends to expose the intermediate part of the field. They're just practicing deep balls and run plays. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would hope to, I would really hope that they would be able to get them a little bit more involved And just throw a few wrinkles in there. Just get them the ball just to spread it out and to let the defense know, hey, they're a threat. And then once you continue that, you can then build upon it and develop these weapons. I mean, these guys are on scholarship too. They're as good as anybody out there. They're just not giving the chance uh, that some of the other players are.
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys have been underutilized for as long as I can remember. Uh, it frustrates some people <laughs> to, to no end. But as much as, as we hope the, the tight ends improve, we hope to see improvement across the board. And, yeah, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we saw that kind of improvement between your junior and senior year, uh, not with you particularly, but with the team. I mean, you talk about a year where Georgia Southern takes you to overtime one year. And uh, oh. next next thing you know, you're in double overtime with Oklahoma competing to play in a national championship and so we've seen things turn around like that before i'm i'm super curious jeb what what changed in that year like between year one of kirby smart um, getting whooped by ole miss on the road and the next the next year you know going and beating notre dame on the road and beating down mississippi state at home beating down florida tennessee um winning the sec championship what changed in that offseason with many of the same players playing on those two teams?
0: Well, I think that's a great question. I think that the biggest answer is consistency. Consistency yeah. is the key. We had brand new everybody. Coaches are trying to figure us out. They're trying to gut check us. Hey, how do mm-hmm. they respond best? What is this team about? Who are the leaders? Who do I need to invest in? Who do I need to take away their platform? Who's been given a, you know, a platform to talk when really in the locker room, they're really not those guys that are doing the right thing um i think it was a little bit of a culture shift um the guys that left my junior year a lot of them um i mean they were competitors and great guys but they had been through the most amount of change Mm -hmm. you could kind of tell there was a big kind of you know eye roll all right let's figure it out just one more year let's just push past this whereas all the younger guys said you know we at least got two years so we need to get on board Um, And I think everybody was bought in and everybody was trying their absolute hardest. Um, I mean, that's just a given in collegiate sports. Nobody was dogging it. Nobody was making light of the situation. I think just the consistency of the offense, the consistency of the coaches learning us, the consistency of the leadership getting poured into Mm -hmm. it all just came together for that great season that we had. So I, I think leaders need to step up. I think guys need to be invested in, I think if Stetson Bennett was invested in this summer as much as he was the last couple weeks, he'd be a completely different quarterback. Obviously, they can't do that because they have to put the main guys in front, but from a leadership standpoint, I think that would have been a great opportunity as well. He's always been a leader, but I don't think he's always been looked as such uh, from the coaches. So now he's put into a position, everything's new, everything's changing, guys are having all these question marks, and I I don't think that... uh, I mean, just in those two games, it's it's tough in the SEC. You, you lose two, and that's kind of it. Um, Florida can still mess it up, but, uh, again, all these things ended up accumulating to two losses against some very, very, very good teams. But with the margin of error being so small, that's all it really takes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're all hoping to see that kind of turnaround that we saw uh, between – 2016, 2017, uh, teams you were a part of. But, Jeb, any last words for, for dog fans uh, before we wrap up the segment?
0: Man, I will just say keep the faith. Them guys, they are trying their absolute hardest. Whatever you think that uh, you're going through as a fan, they're going through it seven days a week. <laughs> yeah. They're going through it around town, People are hounding them. Just keep supporting. I know I'm going to still cheer for them. There's a lot to play for. There's yeah. a lot of football to be left to play. So uh, keep backing them boys up, and I know they're going to keep backing us up on the field.
1: Well, uh, Jeb, always a pleasure having you on the show, and I appreciate you taking a moment out of your coronavirus work-from-home schedule to uh, to <laughs> return to the Savage Path podcast as our first three-peat guest.
0: Man, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Love what you're doing. Keep pushing out the good content. Thank you so much for having me back on. I'll be a doubt till I die. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, so now frequent correspondent and recent birthday boy Corey Amick rejoins us. Corey, uh, happy twenty fourth!
2: Thanks, Dag. Uh, excited for my Kobe year, and and hopefully it can bring some more some more wins our way. The rest of college football season.
1: Yeah. Um. So typically this is where we would like break down what went right and what went wrong the week before. But let's be real. Everybody that watched the Florida game knows what went wrong, and they're probably tired of talking and thinking about the issues at quarterback and the execution issues and some coaching issues as well. Um, So we're going to just let that go. It's like there's enough negativity in 2020. We don't need to dwell on what we witnessed on Saturday because that was miserable um, for everyone. And so hats off to Florida for having a great game plan and a great team. Uh, Man, some of those receivers, the way they high pointed the ball really impressed me. Trask is just tremendously uh, tremendously improved from last season and has surpassed my expectations by a mile. So, you know, hats off to the kid. Hopefully it'll be us uh, next year. Um, I think Florida, Alabama will be a shootout because as much as I think, oh, Bama's so much better than them, uh, Bama doesn't have a defense and Florida doesn't have a defense. So what do you think about that matchup?
2: I like it a lot. I think, like, no one's really tested. I guess the only time, you know, Bama's really been tested this year was games like Ole Miss and A&M where, you know, m didn't play that well, but Ole Miss put up a lot of yeah. points and a lot of yards. Yeah. So it's like Florida's obviously a lot more competent, but, you know, can their defense do enough to slow down Mike Jones and, you know, that wide yeah. receiving core? I don't know. So we'll
1: see. Yeah. And not to mention Najee Harris. I mean, we had Zeus break up. A- 70 something yarder on the first run uh so that's uh, dealing with Najee harris and Bama's running backs as well will be a challenge for florida but um honestly i don't know who i'm going to pull for in that one because i mean you can't pull for florida right you don't want to see them in the playoff um so i guess i guess we pull for alabama i guess we're in that position again which is not the best position to be in yeah we're gonna just jump right into the pick six for this week okay so on the season, Corey, I hate to break it to you. Really bad week for you and good week for me. I was perfect on the oh, week. Was
2: brutal. <laughs> yeah, I was
1: perfect. And you you were like closing the gap, as they say. Um, closing the gap and then not so much this week. So I had a perfect week and the extra point with Florida beating Georgia. Yeah. So I'm at 26. You're at Corey. You just need a touchdown, really, um, to take the lead here. So couple games we're gonna start with uh number nine miami at virginia tech miami with de De king who might have been a georgia bulldog if jamie newman didn't commit to georgia um thank you jamie newman playing pretty good ball i mean the best they've been over the years right now so virginia tech coming off that (laughs) loss to liberty which which by the way did you see the end of that
2: Oh, yeah. That was like the most anti beamer ball I've
1: ever seen as far as icing the kicker. Icing the kicker on a block. That's something that would happen to Georgia in a big game. I honestly, I would rather have lost to Florida the way we lost than lose like that. Like that. That was probably my greatest fear on Saturday, was like us playing well enough to lose like that. Um, and, and people who have pulled for Georgia long enough know the feeling. But man, that had to hurt. Uh, but yeah, who do you got, Miami or, or Virginia Tech at home?
2: I have, I'm taking Miami. I just, I can't, I can't pull Virginia Tech after that. Just from a, and they were like 17 point favorites over Liberty. Yeah. Like all credit to Liberty, like they're 7-0, 8-0 this year. But I mean, there's just such a talent gap that you shouldn't lose that game. Uh, And then, I don't know. I think Miami's okay. Like, obviously they're not going to be able to hang with the Clemson and like the, you know the weird now that we have to say Notre Dame in the ACC but I think I think Miami will play well and, and win this game
1: yeah so I got the same take here that I had on Michigan not too long ago and that is when a team like Miami or Michigan starts believing in themselves starts getting a little bit of hype and their fan base is like are we back is this it's like the Texas is back thing once that happens they're toast. It doesn't matter who they're playing. So I'm taking Virginia Tech coming off a loss to Liberty, bounce back, beat Miami, just like Michigan State um, earlier this year when, when they had a big loss and bounced back with an upset win. So I'm going with Virginia Tech on this one. So maybe a chance for you to come back here, but maybe a chance for me to, to be even worse. We'll see. Um, next one, uh, number 10, Indiana football school. Football school, Indiana Hoosiers, playing on the road at basketball school, Michigan State. Coached by former Georgia defensive coordinator
2: Mel Tucker. I mean if you're a if you're a parent, I feel like you should talk to your kids about a, a top ten in Indiana in football. Like this isn't something that we're gonna see very often and I feel like it should be addressed. Um so yeah. I, I've picked against Indiana pretty consistently and they've proved me wrong consistently, so I feel like I have to keep picking against them until <laughs> I get one right, especially now. at some
1: point they're gonna lose. <laughs>
2: <laughs> in this game, so whether it's the end of the season when they play Ohio State and the Big Ten Championship or what, I just feel like it's going to happen eventually. But in this game, I don't know. I feel like Mel Tucker and Michigan State find a way, and like like I said last week, it's just things can only go so well for Indiana, and I feel like it's going to end. So I'm going, I'm going Sparty, and then my my name of the week. This is big. This yes. is, is the style play. I needed this. In this game. Yes, Michigan State. Michigan State's place kicker, whose name is literally Cole Han, Cole. So all time shoe guy, big shoe guy, big shoe guy. You think he's gonna boot one I for the if win? And like, wears one, like leather, like nice leather shoes. Yeah, I think I think he's gonna boot one for the win. He might have like custom leather Cole Han cleats. Yeah, um, but I feel like if not, he's definitely like the like the treasury of his fraternity or something like that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, just like Stetson, Fleming, Bennett, the fourth. Yeah, so I'm picking Indiana. They've been my bread and butter this year. And uh, I'm just, you know, going with the hot hand here. Next game. This one's a little interesting. Uh, number five, Texas A&M playing on the road at Tennessee. Which, by the way, Tennessee, we talked about this last week. They've got an impressive loss streak where they've lost to some good teams. And that has continued this week. <laughs>
2: Uh, I just, I don't know where you go if you're Tennessee. Like they were up thirteen to nothing at halftime, and then they, lost, they gave up twenty four unanswered in the third quarter and lost the game twenty four thirteen. That is just, so bad. So, I mean, this week, like this one's going to get ugly early on. Like A and M might have, you know, cost Will my his job with, you know, the, what we're seeing on the message boards so far this week for South Carolina after how yeah. they had and beat them. And I think if it wasn't for the the contract extension that Tennessee gave to Jeremy Pruitt earlier this season, that they might have a similar you know, conversation after this game, just because I don't see Tennessee keeping it competitive at all. So I'm going with, I'm going with the Aggies. I think they're going to be kind of clicking on all cylinders, you know, going into the end of the season, just fingers crossed Alabama loses a game and they get a shot at a playoff spot.
1: Yeah. To me, Tennessee is one of those teams. I feel like they could like be just anybody that's outside of the top 10. Um, But they could also lose to, like, well, they did lose to, you know, BYU last year and Georgia State. So, like, they can lose to anybody, but they can beat a lot of teams because they have some talent, and I don't know. It's hard to talk about them. Um, One thing about Tennessee that is kind of nice for Georgia fans is, like, we feel like this is the worst year ever for Georgia football. And, like, you got to remember, Georgia – lost Jake Fromm, lost Jamie Newman, and then JT Daniels never got cleared. So, like, we truly have been on our our fourth option at quarterback and now fifth um, this whole season. And we lost to Alabama. We lost to Florida. It's kind of a lost year, it seems. And this is probably as bad as it's going to get. Like, this is probably rock bottom for Georgia. Tennessee keeps finding new ways to, like, find a lower rock bottom for themselves. Like we thought rock bottom was Phil Fulmer's last couple of years and uh we have been shown by multiple head coaches that it can get worse.
2: I mean I think just look at like the type of people that Tennessee sends to the league with the exception of like Alvin Kamara. Like Nathan Peterman came out of Tennessee and yeah. he, you know, holds the prestigious record of throwing like six interceptions in in a half of an NFL game. So I think, yeah, you know, Tennessee. They just and they got to keep their heads down and you know put the paper bag flare on their username on Reddit for a couple more years. And whether it's with Jeremy Pruitt or not, you know they'll bounce back. But at the same time, I feel like I've somewhat been saying that for you know going on <laughs> a decade now.
1: <laughs> do Do you think Jeremy Pruitt is the guy? Like, do you think he's gonna be at Tennessee very long?
2: I mean. Based on the contract extension, yes. Like, I don't see them buying him out. Yeah. The, I don't know. That fan base is just, it's hard to please because obviously, you know, they've won a, a national title more recent than UGA has, but, you know, since mid 2000s, they just haven't been competitive. Um, you know, they had the. Georgia, they had the I'll say this.
1: And, I'm going to look this up, but Georgia, for like the last 20 years, Georgia might be the winningest team to not have a national championship. I feel like all of our rivals that are worse than us, like Auburn and Tennessee and like those teams in Florida, um, those teams all have championships. Like Georgia has got to be the winningest non-championship team in the last 20 years. I'm going to look this up. We're, I'm gonna we need, do we need like
2: a we need like an all decade award like yeah. win percentage over the last ten years.
1: <laughs> we need we need like a data guy for the podcast that we go to for like a little 10-second clip, kind of like the replay guys on, uh, on <laughs> during football games that are just like sitting in the booth all game, just waiting for the replay. And then there's like one, and they're like, "Yes, it was a target. See here, he hit his head with his head. That is a target." And, and uh, then we the
2: refs call it the other way. Yeah. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the best part. Uh, yeah. We need that guy like on the podcast, but doing uh, just like dropping in a little stat here and there. Yeah. I'm going to say it. Georgia's the the winningest team to not have a championship. Um, I'll say that without having the data, but did we make our picks? I'm yeah. You picked A&M over Tennessee. I'm also picking. Yeah. I'm picking A&M over Tennessee. Okay. 24 Auburn at Mississippi state, Mississippi state who started the year. Amazing. Auburn who started the year horribly and now they've kind of flip flopped.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just it's like weird that Auburn's four and two. Like in my head, I kinda I've kind of made them into like this like two and you know, three, two and four team, which they should be if you kind of look at how their games have played out. Um, but it is like, you know, they're back in the top twenty-five. They're playing a game that you know they should win, like since Mississippi State's first game against LSU, which people at the time thought meant something like their one win has been against Vanderbilt. Who's the worst team in the sec. Yeah. So I mean, I don't, I don't really see how Mississippi state like makes this a game unless like Bo Nix like decides to make it a game for them. Like, I just don't really feel yeah. like they have a path of like, it's actually going to click against a decent team since it hasn't for five weeks straight. Um, yeah. But I mean, with, you know, Mike Leach, you never know. I'm still going to pick Auburn here. I don't want them to win, but I think Auburn will... Auburn's going to finish, like, 8-2, and two, and I'm just going to be like... Or not 8-2, they're probably going to finish 7-3 to lose Alabama, but I'm just going to be, like, mad about it because they should be 5-5. Five and five.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they definitely should have lost to Arkansas, and they easily could have lost to Kentucky. But, got to keep reminding ourselves, the more Auburn wins, the longer we get Gus. status quo, like, Georgia's got his number. I'm cool with it. Um... Yeah, Auburn's thing, honestly, I was thinking about this. Auburn and Georgia are like the opposite of each other. First off, in how uh, we started the season pretty good, looking pretty good. I mean, obviously not the Arkansas game, but but when Georgia and Auburn played each other, Georgia was the far better team. And right now, I don't think any Georgia fan would want to play Auburn right now. Um, so we actually benefited from them getting the schedule flipped, which is awesome because Auburn whined about that for years and then it bit them in the butt. Um, but Auburn on offense, like they will look so bad against elite teams, but when they play a bad team, they will like have me convinced that they're the best offense in the country. Like against LSU, you watch Auburn, you're like, who can stop? Nobody's going to be able to stop this team. And you're like, Oh wait, Georgia already did. But Georgia does the same thing, but on defense. So like when we're playing Missouri and Kentucky and like some of the lower tier offenses, We just, like, they don't get a yard the whole game. I mean, it is ridiculous how poorly offenses suffer. Uh, But then when we play, you know, Florida, Alabama, those kind of games, it's like we're kind of the same as everybody else. Like, it's hard to stop. Um, Auburn's the opposite. So they like to run it up when they can is what I'm saying. I think they run it up this week. Also, Auburn plays their best football when it is required for Gus Malzahn to keep his job just barely but not actually achieve anything at the same time. So they're in that position. And I think, like, how can you pick against Auburn in that position? Okay, interesting one, really interesting one here. Arkansas. Coach Pittman has COVID, by the way. Arkansas at number six, Florida. So we got we got uh, Felipe going back to the homeland and trying to take down his former team, which we just saw Brenton Cox do that for Florida. So we know it can be done. One one team's trash can be another team's treasure.
2: Yeah, uh, you no, know, I, I want to pick Arkansas. Obviously, like I think, I, I think is putting in like a really good you know resume for Coach of the Year, and I think he should win it. Um, but I mean, unless Florida is, like completely sleeps on this game, like there's no way. Like I mean. It'd be a cool revenge game for Philippe Franks, you know. Obviously, getting to go up against former team and the guy who ultimately didn't steal his job, but you know was kind of handed his job based on the injury last year. Um, I mean, Arkansas has been competitive, like obviously since even when they played us, they were competitive. So I don't think it's going to be like a they roll over and die in the first half game. But yeah. at the same time, I don't know. I I hate Dan Mullen, but I think he at least like can get his team prepared and like obviously he had them ready to go for the UGA game. So. I think even if they can then start of slow like florida's still going to win this game um, yeah but I do you think the arkansas will make it interesting
1: i do think we forget how bad florida's defense is like florida's defense against practically every team but georgia and georgia's offense i mean there's still open guys all over the field so it's not like they're playing great defense but georgia's offense has a way of making bad defenses look good and it's been the case all year uh, it's really been the case. I mean, it was the case last year as well. But Florida's defense is is not very good, and I don't think Arkansas's offense is the best. But I do think they can score some points. I still think I'll take that. Uh, I'll take that Florida um, offense running it up though against Arkansas. Did you see?
2: Uh, did you see Grantham get the Gatorade on Saturday?
1: Yeah, that's a little like I would almost be embarrassed by that. Like.
2: Like, if you just look at, like, the... You, we didn't put up, obviously, that many yards at all, but it's just, like, for the five games prior to that, like, his demons is giving up, you know, 300, 400 yards a game, and he kind of can't read that. We didn't
1: give up 400 yards to a fourth-string quarterback. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, honestly, is all-time. Like, I will... that I mean, I kind of took a little bit of pleasure in that, that that was such an achievement for him. Um, like, the highest-paid defensive coordinator in the country holds one... Terrible offense to less than however many yards. Gatorade bath, baby. Um, okay, last pick six game. Number three, Ohio State playing on the road. And they're taking on Little Tua, Talia, Pungavailoa, who I still wish Georgia went after in the portal.
2: I mean, talk about a, like a miserable game for UGA fans to watch. Like, it's like these are two teams that have a single player on like they often side the ball that can win the game for them if they really need them to. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's just not At, at what the one position.
1: Have. Yeah, at the one <laughs> yeah. position where we don't have
2: um, one of those guys. So, I mean, I, I feel like Maryland's going to test Ohio State a good bit. Like, obviously, you know, Ohio State gave up almost 30 points or over 30 points to Rutgers. But, I mean, it was kind of in garbage time and you know, like yeah. they weren't playing all their starters on defense. So, I, I do think that Maryland's going to put up points. Um I think Ohio State wins, um, but I think it is one of those like opposite of, you know, the classic Big Ten, like Wisconsin-Michigan game where the final score is like 13 to 10. Like, I think this is going to be like Ohio State's in the 40s and Maryland's putting up at least like 28, 30 points on them as well.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Ohio State as well. I do think Maryland can score on that Ohio State defense. Man, I've been thinking like all year I've just had in my head, Ohio State's going to win it all. just accept it uh, because... That's the worst-case scenario for Georgia, and the worst-case scenarios for Georgia tend to happen, especially in 2020, apparently. Uh, like, you get a freshman kid gets his first big catch, and nope, there goes his leg. And, yeah, it's just everything good happens, ends up being bad. We get Jamie Newman, and we're all excited. Nope, never mind. He screwed us up for the whole year. Uh, so it feels like that kind of year. And I've been thinking Ohio State over Clemson with the two quarterbacks we could have had and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields because people forget Georgia was number two for Trevor Lawrence. And then after we lost to Bama, I was like, maybe it'll be Bama, Ohio State. But now it really hit me the other day. It's like, oh, worst case scenario, Florida. Florida, Ohio State, national championship. Florida beats Bama, SEC championship, makes it to the natty, or makes it to the playoff. Uh, them and Ohio State advance to the final. So you got Trask versus Trask versus Fields in, in the uh, natty. Um, I don't know. I'm just like, doing that thing that Georgia fans do where I fantasize all the ways we could be hurt. Um, because, well, it's like, it helps me deal with it. You know, it helps to just anticipate it say, okay, this is going to happen probably. And then when it doesn't happen, it's like, oh, that went better than I thought. When it does happen, it's just like, oh, that's kind of what I expected. Um, kind of like the extra point last week for the Georgia game. So moving to the extra point, number 12, Georgia playing on the road at Mizzou in Columbia. Um, we, You know, we've had years where that's a tough one. And who knows? Dude, who knows how Georgia comes out after last week? Like, I, I know those guys. They come to Georgia. They think they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to compete for championships. The season's halfway over, and they're eliminated, essentially. How do they get up for this one? I know Kirby's motivated, but what about these players? I mean, we, we've seen what's, what can happen when they're not motivated, and that was the Sugar Bowl against Texas uh, a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, you know, I think this game will show a lot, in my opinion, as far as, like, what or, you know, if, you know, leadership looks like, especially yeah. with guys like Richard LeCount like, already not playing. and Like, we know he's, you know, kind of the captain of the defense, so it's like, is someone else going to step up? Like, is someone who's a little bit less vocal and less of a leader going to, you know, kind of fill that role just because they look around and realize, like, hey, like, you know, I'm a junior or senior on this team, and. We don't have a lot to like, we don't have a lot left to play for, but it's like you know I want to make my mark on this team, this this university, whatever. So I think that'll be interesting to see. And I don't know what we're gonna look like on offense. Like on one hand, I want to see you know Munkin do what we probably should have done against Kentucky and like air it out. Even though we don't have a guy right now that can consistently <laughs> make those throws, like I would. Yeah. There's a part of me that now that we've lost two games, like I'd rather being an extremely close and like ugly game against Missouri where like we're at least like trying as much as we can on offense more so than win like, you know, seventeen to six or seventeen to ten oh, yeah. where it's like we just control time of possession. It's just like we know that we're not gonna lose, but we're also like close enough to where if something were to go tragically wrong, like a fumble return for a touchdown or a trail yeah. snaps it over like Swan's head like in yeah. the game again. So I don't know. Like I think I just think I would love to see our tight ends get more balls thrown. Like obviously they have to start catching them, but I just feel like <laughs> McKitty, like this is his, this is his one year at UGA, right? And yeah. So it's like I would rather I want to like make his time at UGA matter. Like I would love to see.
1: Well, technically, it it could be his first year of two because nobody loses eligibility, which is why we're gonna get another year, Matt Landers' year seventeen next year,
2: Um but. <laughs> So, I would love him and Walter Grant if he's even. Oh, oh I, I forgot, forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But I would, I would just, I just feel like that's, that's an area where, like, even with Isaac Nada, we didn't reuse tight end that much. And now that we yeah. have, like, you could argue Fitzgerald's also got a lot of potential. So, we have three tight ends that, like, could make a difference. And those should be, like, big, easy targets for, like, any quarterback. And so, yeah. like, we have to, we have to make those passes and they have to make the catch. But I feel like that's just one area that, if we're thin at wide receiver with, like, injuries and, like, you know, Pickens possibly opting out, like, why don't we at least capitalize on, like, building confidence and, like, composure for those guys? So then, like, coming in next year, like, we actually have a threat. I mean, Notre Dame used Cole Komet so well. And, like, obviously, Florida has a, you know, once-in-a-lifetime guy with Kyle Pitts. But it's, like, these teams are able to use their tight ends to their advantage. And, like, I feel like UGA just hasn't done that consistently. So, I would like to see just some form of that happen on Saturday just to kind of reward those guys of like, hey, we know most of the time you're just putting your head down and blocking for like our running attack, but like we're also not going to just waste your time here in Athens.
0: Yeah.
1: I feel like, I feel like we both know like deep down, Georgia's going to go full Kentucky mode, like grind out along. Like, my, my scores predictions, I think is 24 to 10. Um, at 24 to 10. But, yeah, just just make it as painful a win as possible. That's, I don't know, it just feels like the Georgia way at this point. Um, hope I'm wrong about that. But it, it's hard to imagine us being like, you know what? Let's just go out there and have fun. Let's go out there and air it out and let these guys do what, you know, we recruited them to come here. Let's let the receivers catch some balls and uh, quarterbacks, you know, throw some long ones, uh, you know, overthrow by 15 yards every time. I don't. I don't know how much of that we're going to see.
2: I think. Do you? Do you think we see three quarterbacks on Saturday?
1: Man, that's a great question. You know, first off, one of my roommates was a walk-on who played quarterback in high school a couple of years back, and I keep feeling like, God, if he still had eligibility, the like key could be QB one um, for Georgia. But you know, I think we might see JT this week. I'm I'm a little scared as to what that's going to look like given that we didn't play him this week. I'm like, everyone's kind of saying, like, wow, he must be really bad if he's healthy and they're not playing him over these guys. Um, so, I don't know. I kind of feel like DeJuan's going to get a lot of snaps. I think Stetson's obviously hurt. DeJuan... Is a, is a tremendous athlete. He's so raw. He's not ready at the quarterback position, but we've got what we've got, and I know he's probably on the verge of transferring already, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them just give him a shot. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it could be the week we see JT. I'm just less enthused about it, partially because I'm scared as to what that's going to look like, but also partially because if he goes out there and he's freaking Joe Burrow, and we're just going to be like, wow, we've really just blew a whole season with Joe Burrow on our bench, you know? Like, I could kind of see that happening with the way Georgia's managed quarterbacks over the years.
2: Yeah, I could see that happening as well. But it can almost <laughs> just be like – it can be like a fluke of like the receivers <laughs> actually just like decide to like catch the ball and like miserable yeah. defense decides to just totally implode. And so like then we have this mindset of like JT is the guy. And then I feel like a lot of the fan base is looking at Kirby like, well, and then it's like, in two weeks, we come out against whoever and, like, JT plays poorly, and then we're like, okay, we don't know anything yeah. anymore. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. It's the cold quarterback thing. My biggest concern, because everyone all Georgia fans are talk to are saying, oh, we're just a quarterback away, and we've got Brock next year. Like, we're set. Like, we we got Brock Vandegrift. And, like, I hate to break it to people, not every five-star freshman quarterback pans out, especially their freshman year. Even you look at Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma and in his early struggles and costing them some games, um, but I mean, there's got Felipe Franks was a five star quarterback at Florida. Okay, so having your entire season hitched to a five star freshman at the most important position on the field doesn't necessarily give me a lot of confidence that, like, oh, okay, because even Jacob, Jacob Easton was a high, you know, more highly recruited player than Brock Vandergriff, and it's not like he came in and and. I mean, he's, I thought he had a phenomenal freshman year, but he, he didn't come in and lead Georgia to a championship or anything. I mean, it takes a lot at that position these days. And uh, I think some unfair expectations were put on Stetson Bennett this year, and I think they're already being put on Brock Vandegrift for next year, um, assuming he's the guy. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Georgia take – to do what uh, to do what Oklahoma did two years ago. I wouldn't be surprised to see us take a quarterback – um, Brock Vandergriff, and then to go when guys are in the portal and go after guys. If if we don't see JT play this year, because um, at that point that would be indicative that he's just not the same player.
2: Yeah, um I think I got, forgot to make my actual pick. Score wise, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take the dogs, um, but I'm gonna be optimistic. I'm gonna say we put up 28, and I think we hold Missouri to 10. So I'll go 28, 10 final.
1: 28-10, so mine was 24-10, so you're a little bit more uh, optimistic on the offense, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, to our fans, if anyone's traveling this game, like, you're probably the biggest Georgia fan in the world. Uh, like, I don't know, I wonder if Wes is going. Wes, you're listening, are you going? We can't hear you, <laughs> but yeah, Wes, Wes and company invited me to the Florida game last minute. And I was like, I can't drive down to Jacksonville right now. Also was waiting on a COVID test to come back. So I didn't want to endanger everyone, um, like the Notre Dame student section. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, if you're driving out there, man, you're, you're DGD and, uh, we respect that. But, uh, for those of you frustrated with everything, um, uh, you know, just hang on. And I, I think, I think Georgia has probably had a worst-case scenario season as far as who could have predicted that guys like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence would not opt out, but a guy like Jamie Newman who actually needed the season would made no sense. Jake Fromm honestly had no reason to go pro early. Uh, I think his stock would have gone up this year under Todd Munkin. Um, the injuries with Blaylock before the season, obviously the string of injuries we've had during the season. Uh, and, and the number of guys we had to replace already. I mean, it has just been a tough year for Georgia. And I know fans are impatient and, and tired of, of it always being about next year. Um, but just one to, uh, I don't know, put everything in perspective and realize, I think we're still in a position where under Kirby we will have the potential to compete. Obviously, he's got to make some changes, and you know, we've got to see what happens. But... Um, but it just it kind of is what it is right now. So we'll be pulling for the dogs on Saturday. Uh, retweet the episode for your chance to win some free Chick-fil-A. Uh, so even if the dogs don't win, you can. And uh, go dogs.